0: Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe and Overwatch League podcast on the Bleeve Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe and OWL
1: and Bleave.com. This week we discussed some new league announcements, a change to the McCree spray, and a start of the final regular season tournament.
0: Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to this week of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you're all doing well. It's week 24, the start of the countdown cup for the league, and just more Overwatch as usual for the rest of us. Um how have you been,
1: Kevin? Uh I've been okay. Uh just a lot of uh a lot of stuff this week that I've been I've been doing. I got uh, uh I'm doing a tournament later on in August and one of the sponsors is red bull and so they're like oh yeah we're gonna ship you a little bit of our product no big deal um and the guy's like oh yeah they might ship you one or two cases uh of red bull and they're like oh yeah it's coming in like pretty soon i'm like okay so i wait I, i get a ring and like on there there's like four boxes and i'm like okay you know what four boxes are relatively heavy there's four 24 packs of red bull in my room now so i have 96 cans of uh of red bull that i either Dear lord have to drink well i know i have to present it for the tournament obviously uh so obviously i'm not gonna shotgun like 96 of these but like you know i i think i'm i think i'm set through the quarantine uh on red bull so yeah that that's something that happened this week uh how, how about you
0: um i've had a very interesting week but before i get into what i've done i just wanted to share some of my experience with red bull so i do a camp every year or i not this maybe this year i don't know we might be doing it over zoom i might be uh, helping out this year i'm not sure um but so i I do my my summer camp for kids and at this summer camp it it gets kind of crazy so the counselors have to find a way to stay energized and some of the ways some people do it is red bull um And one year, I just, my third year doing this camp, it was really rough. I was not having a good time and I was dead by like the third day. And then one of my friends just shoves his uh, hydro flask at me and he's like, here, drink this. And I'm like, what is it? And He said, just drink it. It doesn't matter. So me being a, a, a dumb idiot, I was, I drank it and it turns out it was Red Bull mixed with five hour energy. This was before breakfast, so I'm just like, my heart is palpitating, and the kids who like hated my guts were like scared that I was actually going to die, so um, that was not the best way to ingest Red Bull, but like normal Red Bull is fine.
1: Yeah, that's just like caffeine overload. (laughs) It is too much, dude.
0: Like I actually felt like I was dying. I could feel my heart just like fluttering completely out of my chest yeah 10 out of 10 would not recommend um (laughs) but in other news did i have i talked about the the pewdiepie thing yet no okay so this the this is new for this week then um so i don't like pewdiepie um never have i think he's a problematic person like especially with the way he he uses the n-word as a joke and apologizes it for the and then does it the next week again using the n-word again and he just thinks it's a funny thing and people are enabling him and i don't know why um that's almost kind of that's kind of beside the point um but so in 2018 i did this video with jubilee um it was a collaboration with solfa which is a korean youtube channel and they did this thing where it was a 20 guys speed date one girl and i was in episodes one and episode three and ever since that video has aired, it has not gone away. Like it'll be quiet for a couple months and then a friend that I know will see it and then they'll say, Hey, were you in this? And I'm like, Yeah, I was in it. Um, so PewDiePie this week discovered that video and he uh he he commented on it and um it's actually kind of fun to watch. I still have the text transcript of that video in my phone. Um if you've seen it or if you want to go see it, just type in uh, 20 guys v one girl jubilee and it should pop up episodes one and three i'm in um and it it was just a fun thing to to really do but um a lot of the comments about it are are very um they're pro us guys and they're very against the girl because she does on one hand she does have very high standards for what she's looking for in a guy a little bit unreasonable but also like the director was on the side, like, kind of feeding her ideas of questions to ask. He's like, so talk about this next. What do you like in this? So, like, it's it's a little bit scripted, but also a, still kind of free form. But, um, like, on the one hand, while she still is, like, I will agree she has very high standards. PewDiePie kind of takes it to the misogynistic level that he kind of always does and starts going a little bit too hard into her. So I woke up, I think it was Wednesday morning last week. To my friend saying, "Hey, you're in a PewDiePie video," and that's a thing that I could have gone my entire life without being in. And then on Sunday, I was in a Zoom game show, which it wasn't for money; it was just for fun. But I get IMDb credit for it, and I'm gonna try to do it again this week. So there you go. That's, that's pretty much been my exciting life for the past couple of days. Also, I started a book club with some people on that I know from around here, and so we're reading Cosmos. So. That should be fun. I've always wanted to read it, just never had the time, and now I have an excuse. There you go. All right. So uh, collegiate esports is something that we talk about a lot here. Kevin, I know you definitely have a very personal connection to collegiate esports. Um, so on the Overwatch League website, they ran an article that was kind of looking into the state of collegiate esports right now. Um, they mentioned a couple of players. They interviewed a couple players. Elk, um, Dogman, and Moth are mentioned in it um and it's just contrasting like what the state of esports is now like what is the opportunities for people in college who want to try to get into esports is it a viable thing like and i guess in some ways by by mentioning these three players um it's proven that it is possible to get there um but also it's mentioning that there are still a lot of uh there's still a lot of gaps right now in the, the path from college to pro. Um, the, the article mentions that th- there's a distinct skill level difference between pro players and collegiate players. Um, the scheduling is very different. Like uh, it's, I think, 11 hours of practice a day it mentioned in the article when you're in the league as opposed to like 12 to 14 hours per week of scrims um, in college, which is, I mean, it's understandable that it's not as much because you are still in college for college. Uh, there's also the the um, the monetary difference as well. Like some teams are actually supported by their school, and some people have uh, scholarships to play. Whereas for other colleges, it's just a, a club team that people put together and uh, are not actually getting support from their college.
1: There is a lot of things that are different depending on where you go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like th- this is one of the biggest things, and it's it kind of makes no sense, but the east coast schools like new york pennsylvania um, harrisburg they offer scholarships for playing esports they are willing to you know give you something in order to you know get through college and you can play on their play on their teams the entire west coast does not do that i don't think i think there's only one other school that does like a pseudo one like I know UCI and UCLA kind of have a thing where they're like, oh yeah, well, we'll give you a little bit of financial support if you play. Um, but other than that, most of it is club sports. It is like, it if it's tied into a program, it's not like, there's not a lot of stuff going on for them. For the most part, it is just like, okay, we have a club, um, and then we kind of enter ourselves into tournaments use the school's name and kind of get our name out there that way yeah and so
0: for for people who don't know what club sports is it's literally what it is it's a club made by people who want to do a, a game or a sport and i guess the the university will recognize it as a group but it's not you're not an official collegiate team to them you you can use the name but you're not professionally i guess uh recognized you're, you're not- as a legitimate sport by the school
1: yeah you're not like financially supported by the school to like do your do your thing essentially Um, you don't
0: get that fancy merch deal
1: yeah and (laughs) that's one of the one of the sadder parts of this whole thing um i know that some schools like they will actually work on a program or have a program in place where they'll allow students to kind of use the facilities and that's it um and you know honestly that's really solid but there is a sense of pride when it comes to like actually showing off your school and like representing. Oh, yeah. Um th- that's why I'm I'm a huge like proponent of jerseys regardless of if you're a club or a uh or a program. Like if you see UC Berkeley, UC Berkeley has jerseys. You see Irvine has jerseys. Like everybody has like a jersey that if they were to go to an event and they all have their jerseys on, you're like, "Oh shit. Like Yeah. They they They're know like- what's up.
0: Like <laughs> Like I was in mock trial for, for UCLA. Like we weren't allowed to call ourselves UCLA mock trial. We had to be uh, mock loss, A- mock trial loss, or what was it? Um, uh, Los Angeles mock trial or something like that. Like the school would not allow us to, uh, to use their name, even though like we were pretty much the, the top team in the nation over the past 10 years, we'd won the most championships like, uh, AMTA American mock trial association is a recognized like actual entity. And we weren't allowed to have that same kind of recognition as someone who's like playing football would like we, we weren't given that that academic leeway, like, Hey, I have a tournament this weekend. I'm not getting back till Monday. Um, Can I have extension on my paper? Uh, We weren't given that same. um, Kind of recognition as, as a football Mm -hmm. player missing school for a game would. So even though I didn't do it esports wise, I can I feel that frustration of not being able to use the t- the school name.
1: Yeah, and I I also get that. Like, there's some tournaments where we wanted to travel, like we wanted to go someplace else, and like it's a three day tournament starts on Friday, and like some people couldn't get out of class, right? So, and we also don't have our own transportation, so half the time we are taking Bart to out to wherever we need to go. Um, Or if one person has a van, like everybody takes the van and we're literally like a team in a Toyota Sequoia, man. Like that's, that's it. Um, That was me. That was my job. I was the one who picked everybody up from Bart and we all just went to the location. Um, But honestly, like those like expenses, I wouldn't say like expenses, but like they're even like minor expenses, right? Like. Tournament entrance fees, right? Like mm-hmm. that has to come out of our pockets. Yeah, yeah. As like players, and honestly, like we just want the experience. Like we were entering into tournaments that cost us like it. It was like sixty per team. It's like ten dollars per person, right? And you're yeah, you're playing it's, with the it's team. Not too bad. Like, it's not too bad. Um, but then there's like for a team, like they have to pay like I think it was like one twenty to get into a tournament. Um, and then they also had to like go to L.A. or something like that to go and play against like uh-huh. the socal teams and you're like yeah of course we need you know we need financial support so that they can either fly down there like we we don't we're not going to drive 8 hours like to do that we could but it's just like you know money stacks up at that point um right. and plus that's also yeah, 8 hours of your time that's 8 hours of driving that you know I don't know if I can I know team bonding but I could do that an hour and a half on a plane, okay? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's just interesting to see the disparity. I really do agree with, uh, like, Moth, Elk, and Dogman, and what they're saying is, like, there's a huge gap between the Overwatch League and what the colleges allow, because there's no standard for the colleges. Um, And, you know, that's kind of... It's kind of up in the air, in a way, because I... Obviously, I would love to have all the colleges be the same and like have us have, you know, X, Y and Z block schedules so that we can all scrim against each other, kind of get some practice in here and there. But at the same time, I do understand that, like, you know, each place is different. We're all operating on different time zones. um, And also, you know, it's different in the way how each school looks at esports. Like some of them are 100 percent behind it they have like facilities they have gaming rooms and all that stuff some of them just have a computer lab some of them don't even have a physical place like they're just saying like you know what we meet up at a club room we watch the vods and then everybody goes home back on their desktops and plays like that's that's the game plan so um, from week.
0: from your experience in this like i mm-hmm. kind of have a an idea of it because with m- the mock trial world like our school UCLA we we were lucky enough to have um some sort of funding because we held the mock trial camp over summer for high school kids and that paid for all of our travel and all of our lodging all we had to do was really pay for food and show up so mm-hmm. we didn't we were semi-funded um but for for in the esports world like and also in the the mock trial world there are still teams who are like you said they're they're having to pay their own way they they're there because they they want to be there and they're putting their money where their mouth is like there there's teams who, even in the mock trial world too who are like they're paying to fly places every weekend. Um, they're they're paying their entry fees by themselves. Um, and so in your experience, like in eSports, are the teams who have the funding and the facilities and the school recognition playing better because of that? Or are the teams who are um who are funding this and they're are just doing this out of passion and love and drive who are who are just throwing money into this? are are they doing better because they have to be scrappier and it has to count for something?
1: It's a bit of both. I do... If you do have a system where you have players who are responsible enough and you have the facilities, like, you can tell that teams are a lot more coordinated and they're a lot more on pace and on page just because they have that time together. Like, they could actually figure that out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess also because for some of those teams, like, you're entire
0: scholastic existence is based on your play is the, the scholarship
1: mm-hmm. yeah it, depending on how well you play depends on if you can you know keep your scholarship going as well as like how involved you can be uh in the whole program um i know that at least some schools um that are operating on either quarters or semester systems have to flip their rosters every once in a while just because you know people phase out or like people will say like oh i'm done playing i have to work on school x y and z and also like players fall off they're just like oh i don't want to play overwatch anymore i want to you know work on studies or somebody else comes up there's just a whole bunch of just like different things that you got to worry about um when you know you're playing overwatch and trying to build a team um the the thing about you know pro overwatch teams you don't have to worry about there's no difference in age like age doesn't really matter there um in college you only have a four year maybe you know five or six year window um to really make your name for the for the team and what you want to do um so lucky for me i i a semester and a half uh <laughs> like uh i was there at the beginning of the b team so that's all that i'm, I'm really happy i'm happy to be there that's that's all i'm really really saying here. But what I'm saying is that there is a big difference between a school that is well-funded versus a school that has to do it via club and via, like, their own passion. Because just like some schools, like, you still will have an Overwatch team. Like, I know Harrisburg and Pennsylvania and New York are still going to have their Overwatch teams, regardless of, you know, the new game coming out, if it's, like, you know, Valorant or Overwatch 2 or some other game, right? um that happens to take the forefront. Like usually if you're a club sport, at that point everybody shifts focus to the other one. Like all the Overwatch stuff is just like it's there, but like for the most part we're focusing our effort into a different thing. And we know that it, it flip flops depending on shelf life of a game and, you know, how to keep people playing, so to say. Speaking
0: of of different levels, like the part of the article was talking about how the level of play is just far and above for the league than it is for um, the collegiate team. Is Do you find that to be true? And why? Is it just because they're devoting their entire day to it? Or is would there be another reason why um, that would be true?
1: Uh, I, I feel like it's, it's a bit of both. Like, one of them is, like, when you're in the Overwatch League, like, this is your job. Like, this is what you do for a living. Um, you don't have to worry about the paper that's due at midnight on Sunday. Ah, uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, you know finishing your essay, finishing your projects or or anything like that. It's just like overwatch only. Um, I feel like another thing that a lot of schools don't realize is the ability to hire coaches and hire staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, overwatch teams have, you know, the coach, the analyst, the assistant coach, the uh, they have, you know, psychiatrists they have like sports psychologists like everybody is there to help out the players um do the best that they can for overwatch and at least the collegiate scene themselves we have maybe you know the director we have the club president and then we have your coach right like that's that's it (laughs) like um and some of the coaches are even students like i was a coach for a while um do i know the same stuff that you know crusty 9k uh packing 10 all those guys know no i'm just a i'm just a student as well like i barely i I don't play this game like every day like studying every single video figuring out how i can you know bring that over to my team but i have a little bit of like experience playing with higher teams like playing against you know I, i remember i still remember my experience versus moth like i i will never forget you know, being the saddest Reinhardt in the game, getting booped off of Rialto like every two seconds. That is, (laughs) that is not fun. Uh, But yeah, honestly, it is. I feel like the difference is also in personnel. It's not only like funding and the amount of hours you can put in, but it's also like, you know, coaching staff, uh, making sure that everybody is okay, you know, uh, mentally and physically. Um, That's a big thing. Yeah, the mental and physical thing is definitely the hardest thing, like, to do because we don't have we we don't have like nutritionists, right? Um and most of us gamers are also college students. So we're we're broke, we're eating off of like literally cup noodles for like three days in a row. Uh we're, you know, just chilling, maybe eating fast food. And so like naturally we're not, you know, the most healthy people. Um, but like I took it upon myself and I went on keto for like eight months and then I became like one of the better players on the team. Just like knowing that I'm taking care of myself a little bit more. Um, And I felt sharper. Uh, I clearly don't that right now um, because uh, there's, there's no real need, but like I definitely want to. We don't eat well during the Rona. Yeah. We don't eat well during Rona. Okay. Like we eat, we eat good during Rona. We don't eat like healthy. (laughs) Like, i'm just i'm just pointing it out there um but yeah i definitely if like let's say if people say like okay yeah we want to play a lot more like i wouldn't mind going back on keto to to bring my mental state back up to that and i think that's something that you know overwatch professionals like i know i know the shock do this a lot like they will have like one day out of the week where they'll just like work out like there's like yo you get to only play for like Six hours today, you have a scrim later, but today we're gonna like work out the entire day. There was one where they were in San Francisco, they took a bike trail, I think, from Oakland to San Francisco. They walked the entire pier, um, and then they ran to a meetup location, which is where you know I ended up meeting the team, which is pretty cool. But they're like sweating and they're like they're dying like <laughs> half the time, and I'm like they're just like dude who thought and then like it was so funny to see like violet like violet was like passed out (laughs) he's just like like dude i i could sign stuff but like after this like literally once everybody left like i had to help with like setup he was like on a bench like asleep he was just Uh out and i'm like yeah you know working out would definitely do that to you so yeah if you want to get better honestly like well focus on your diet uh first um and then you can Definitely improve with just more practice. Imagine if teams used part of the money, just like just a fraction
0: of the money they're not spending now on traditional sports, and put that into
1: esports. I'm saying like right now is more important, I think, than any other time to invest in esports. This is personal, like personal idea, but honestly, no one's playing traditional sports right now, right? We're in the Rona. Um, just give us like a little bit. Like honestly, if you gave, you know, your esports, your es, yeah, your esports department just enough to afford like a gaming laptop, a mouse, and a headset, you essentially have enough for a player to play. Like you need that maybe times like nine, nine or ten because you need the coach uh, and the assistant coach to get in, um, and just say like, you know what, this one's only for playing x y or z game you just this is for practice right um later on eventually uh let's say if you start making your name in the esports world of whatever game that you decided to play um your school might start investing in a better facility for you like even a gaming room or like a game lounge is a big step um we started out as a club where we just had we, we would just play like at home and then we said to art U, like hey we have a club like we're we're doing really well in in these tournaments um and then they were like okay well you can share the the gaming facility the game development lab and we're like okay cool so we use the game development lab now as kind of like a little operation room for playing our games we're pulling and practicing esports. Um which is nice, but we definitely want to grow that into something that could be, you know, even more insane or even better than what we can or what we had before. So it's a lot of a lot of moving parts that we have to worry about, especially for collegiate esports. And depending on the way how your school already has it established, if it's a program already, like keep running forward. Just try to make your name do what you need to do but if you're still a club the best way to do it is to just start showing up to tournaments and saying you know what like we're we're only a club right now but if we if we slapped our school's logo on it how well would like this bring reception to your school as well um that is the one thing that you can definitely see you know teams start building off of i know for overwatch like that's how berkeley really got theirs their club started um berkeley did really well in overwatch uh during the first like couple years of its opening so they ended up getting a gaming facility and uc irvine had theirs for a while because of league but like there's just things where if you imagine like your school wants to have publicity wants to have like good like reasons for people to come over to your school if you're doing well as a club and then they finally say, you know what, let's put our, let's put our school logo on it. Let's show that we, you know, actually represent this team. Then, you know, it's going to help the school even more. It's, you know, it's only a win-win at that point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay. So moving on to some other minor things before we get into bigger topics as well. Um, There were a couple of updates that happened with the game like in workshop. I haven't actually seen this uh, because I haven't been playing workshop recently, but like um, there's an update where you can now make your characters like super giant or super small, which sounds like a ton of fun. I should probably check those out. Um, And also the uh, for the McCree news spray. That was a thing that has been here since I guess the beginning of the game and due to all of the recent stuff that's been happening. That spray has been patched out. They kind of did this quietly. They didn't really make a big announcement on it. And I think that was definitely a missed opportunity. I think they should have been... um, I think they definitely should have taken a stance on this and and not... I don't know. It just feels weird that they didn't really announce that this was a change that they were making.
1: You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean... the. i'll I'll comment on these one at a time the workshop thing is pretty cool i i like the way how they were able to scale it um it's like when you dynamax a pokemon like yeah it's it's battle cries just deeper and it's bigger because the pokemon's bigger um i like how they did this change um it really will help with like the the boss battle kind of game modes where you Mm -hmm. hear like you know giant characters or smaller characters um I, I think that's just a really cool touch. Um as for the noose spray, they changed it with a horseshoe. That says bad luck. Um you're supposed to like spray it above the door if you like kill somebody with it. Like I guess it's it serves the same purpose, but it's less on the nose. Um but honestly, like, yeah, I do like removing the noose spray was kind of important. And they kind of did it quietly. I feel like just because they don't wanna like I, I don't know if it's just like not that big of a deal in my opinion I, I just feel like it's just like a it's a small change but it's an important change like saying that you remove the noose spray is important to like prove you know we're we're not against like you know like lynching uh we 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 are completely against lynching here this is why we're taking away the noose um but like at the same time i feel like it's just a spray um so some people will just be like okay well you know it's just a small in-game thing no need to kick up so much like dirt over it and it's just a it's a bit of both i i could see how the reason why they kind of went quietly with it versus like if they really wanted to make a message with it they would have done it
0: okay so moving on um there was a brief article from Dexerto that's talking a little bit about overwatch 2 still no release date but according to the dev team um the Overwatch 2 story missions are going to be a lot bigger and more complex than um, what we have in Overwatch 1. They're comparing it to a a Left 4 Dead-style gameplay. You remember Left 4 Dead, Kevin?
1: I love Left 4 Dead. Like, <laughs> I still play it, like, on occasion.
0: I, just, I liked running around with the frying pan or the guitar. That's That was what I played with. Um, but so that's what we're going to be happening. It's going to be kind of like an encounter and horde-based uh gameplay there's going to be a lot of different enemy types Um, so a lot of what's going to be um, the focus of the game is how these enemy types kind of play off each other in the game like you'll have some mid and long ranged enemies at the same time and how are you going to deal with that Um, and yeah so it's just going to be a lot longer and bigger than what we're used to seeing in Overwatch 1 with like Retribution or um, uh, Storm Rising
1: so I'm very excited for that First of all, I loved Left For Dead too. Um, like my friends and I would play this all the time. We'd put on mods because, you know, that's what the workshop allowed. Um, and yeah, we would just play we would play Left 4 Dead. Um that was like actually one of the first games that we played during the, the coronavirus lockdown. Was oh, nice. like, you know what? Just let's just all play Left 4 Dead. But like to have that come to Overwatch, we know that like a lot of players have kind of created stuff like that in in the workshop but at the same time i like um i like the way how over the overwatch team is actually taking this and they're saying you know what we're gonna kind of take what we had with like storm rising and stuff like that we're gonna make it a full campaign um rather than just being like oh yeah we're just gonna have many you know episodes here and there like we can have a full on like different map different way of like going through it um every time and so i'm just excited to see what they do with it Um, and I hope that, you know, it doesn't disappoint when, whenever it does come out still, no, no release date though. But
0: I think the, I think I read somewhere recently that the coronavirus did push the release date back a little bit, but not very significantly. So I guess that's encouraging. Um, okay. So now let's transition into more league stuff. Uh, the playoff format after this countdown cup is going to be um, there's going to be two weeks of single elimination into a double elimination playoff bracket until we get the final four teams. It's going to be two from North America, two from Asia, um, and then there are going to be a couple of weeks off where they're going to have to try to get everybody to Asia. So that they're, they're all going to be on the same server. There's going to have to be logistics and health and safety stuff. So we're going to have some time off. Um but they're gonna play those four teams, and in the end, the winner is going to get, um, one million five hundred thousand dollars. Runner-up is gonna be half that, so seven hundred fifty thousand. Third place is four hundred fifty thousand. Fourth place three hundred fifty thousand. Um, regional third place teams are getting two hundred fifty thousand, and teams that reach the double elimination round—they're gonna be six of them. They're each gonna get seventy-five thousand dollars, and so in total. Uh, that's four million dollars of U.S. currency in stake. So this is a pretty big prize pool.
1: I honestly like this. Like this is a good way of like correcting or like adjusting to the coronavirus situation. Um, they're willing to you know put teams together, make them you know go head to head, create a bracket, create a schedule um, in order to see these teams go head to head. So um, I'm really excited to see how this turns out um and yeah of course i would love to see you know who who wins it all this is like kind of the way how we're closing off um you know the overwatch league season uh due to all the coronavirus scare and you know how everybody else has to adjust to this
0: for what the overwatch season started out as this year like they really stepped up and, and fixed it once they once they followed the monty plan
1: yeah, it it only took firing Monty to realize that he was actually the correct one the entire time. Uh, he had he had the right plan. He was like, you know what, you just have to mini tournaments throughout the year, and that is the way to go. And you know, they really they really adapted it and changed it. Um, but yeah, I I feel like this is it's good for the league, right? The league is now getting more tournaments up, getting teams to play against each other. Um, a little bit more consistently. Even though everything is online, it's still happening, which is good. Um, the only downside is, like, in terms of return of investment for the investors themselves, um, it's really difficult to get, you know, your money's worth, like, during online tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have to wait until whenever the the Runa lets up, right? Um, and then even so, they have to proceed with caution. Um, when it comes to, you know, hosting homestands again or trying to find a way how to get more people to show up to events like that. Because, you know, you definitely went into this thinking that you could make money uh, in return over the course of time. And that's what the homestands were supposed to be. Um, But without homestands, it feels like it's kind of up in the air and it's going to be very interesting to see what the league does uh, moving forward. So Kevin, you have some other
0: overwatch news for the league
1: oh yeah we, we we got quite a bit. um so the first one has to do with a player retiring um and this week it is Baby Bay from the Atlanta rain. Um, Baby Bay officially retired from the Atlanta rain uh before this uh this weekend's games. Um, he has been here since season one. He played for the San Francisco Shock first. Um, and then he was traded over to the Atlanta Rain after Fran left. Um, he's just honestly like he—he he hasn't announced what he's doing after the league. Um, he hasn't said like, "Oh yeah, he's partnering with anyone or he's moving on to a different game." There hasn't been any talk of that. He's just kind of taking a break from what we know, um, but he is officially retiring from the league. Um, I was lucky enough, honestly, like I was involved with the San Francisco Shock for quite a while. Um, I got to meet him a couple times during season one and two, um, but he's honestly like a very chill and charismatic guy. Like he's really excited to be on a team. And you know, his personality does come off. It's like, no, I'm, I'm like the best here. I can do whatever I want. Um, but honestly, like it's that kind of like charisma that makes him like a really strong like player in general. Um, and he clearly takes care of his body um, so that, that probably helps with the mental gameplay as well um, but yeah later on I don't, I don't know if he's going to leave Overwatch completely I wouldn't mind seeing him on the desk with Custa I feel like Custa and Reinforce and those guys could definitely take Baby Bay under their wing if they really wanted to but I could also see later down the line um, like if he wanted to just do esports promotional work or kind of just become a streamer he has that option to do it i know he said Um, he's going to
0: be streaming a lot more now
1: yeah i wouldn't mind seeing him stream uh, like a lot he he seems he's honestly just like a cool guy um and if he you know continues on waiting for overwatch 2 um or if he moves over to another game i wouldn't mind seeing either one of those um you know baby bay has my support it's just like he's honestly a cool guy and like he has his head in the right place. It's just a matter of like where he's going from here. After one retires, we're going to talk about one interesting signing. Um, it is still pending league approval. I literally got this this morning. Um, v Flight actually sent me the the initial heads up, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, so the San Francisco Shock officially signed, or hasn't signed, but has pending league approval. On recruiting Tayo from Third Impact, um, Tayo is actually one of my fan favorites. Um, I've watched him since 2017, where he was playing on Team Japan for their World Cup, and he was an insane like tracer and Genji player. He was like one of those guys who would get like into your back line um, really quickly, um, and he was doing really well in contenders. Uh, only he either took first or second, and constantly going up against you know team doge um who now have you know kevster on the gladiators fincy on the paris eternal and onigod on the dallas fuel so he's definitely up there in caliber versus these guys um and i'm really excited to like see what he can do especially on a team like the shock um and just to see like you know how they're gonna evolve the team over time but yeah he he's done really well um but yeah, he's one of the few Japanese players. Him and like ATM were a couple of the players who I really enjoyed watching, just because their gameplay was so explosive at times. Um, and I feel like having Tayo come in is gonna definitely fill the hole um, that that they have on the team right now. Like they definitely need a, a they need a Genji player really badly. Um, not saying that Super didn't do a good job. He did a good job. Like not gonna lie, Super is a solid Genji. But if you could get somebody who's, you know, number one or number two in contenders and bring him in as a Genji specialist, you know, he's going to fill in a gap. Um, and that means Super can go back to, you know, playing his, playing his role um, or the bench. I don't know. Uh, it depends on where Cresty wants to put him. But honestly, it's just a great, like, it, it's a good addition. Like they needed a Genji player and Tayo is going to fill in that role. Um, it's still waiting. Once again, this is still pending league approval, but I don't see any reason for them to be against this. Um, unless they're like, oh, well, you know, the shocker becoming a super team, we can't let him sign Tayo. But <laughs> honestly, like, Tayo doesn't have a lot. Well, he has a lot to show off already, but don't think that would deny this request. What do you think is the difference between now if the league
0: signing all of these? contenders players as opposed to the old strategy where they were signing streamers like what prompted that change
1: i feel like the original was just because like when you're signing streamers that is pretty much the only people who you know like who have played right um when it comes to signing like like season one like i understand season one like you just want to sign people who know how to play the game relatively well um, and if they happen to be, you know, big streamers and they're solid, like that's another way of like gaining traction. That's the reason why the Dallas Fuel had like, you know, they're like, oh man, their team is super stacked, man. They got Siegel, they got Taymu, they got XC, like they're all good streamers and they're all good personalities, but they also know how to play. So like at the time, like that's kind of what the public opinion of, you know, good Overwatch was was like, you know, the high level streamers that everybody knows. But like over time, now that we have, like we've settled in with you know the the contenders uh the contender circuit open division, and to an extent the collegiate division um people are allowed to see better tapes of like players who are even more insane than what they need to like than what they could stream right um they're playing against teams that are equally as high level as them or even crazier in a way um so honestly the transition just comes to recognition like we didn't originally have a system where we could watch players grow and become better um over time because the only place that we got to see people's names was on the leaderboard and that's it um so you kind of recruit off the leader and be like hey do you have a team do you have a team like x y and z um but honestly like having contenders seeing teams play together as a team and then recruiting certain players that you would like is the better way of going about it because now now you know that they have that background they are ready to go um and yeah i just hope that we get a lot more of this the signing streamers honestly is good only if they have that same amount of expertise and experience that a contenders player does like for example, like, Ong has team experience. Like, he's played with Sentra and brand like, you know, on Selfless, like, a while ago. Um, and then he still plays on Contender. So, like, having him, you know, is a solid pick as well. Like, you know that he's backed it up. He just happens to also be a streamer. That's not, that's, like, not something that you would take away from it. But, honestly, it's just interesting to see how these um, how these teams work and operate. i, I like the pickups from contenders a lot more than if they were to just pick up some random streamer. But at the same time, like it's all comes down to team chemistry and what you think would be best for your team.
0: Well, anything else we want to talk about? I think that's, that's covers a lot <laughs> this week. There wasn't a lot to cover, but we went in really depth with it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of other like big news segments that I know about. Um, I'm just really excited to see, you know, what what the Overwatch scene is going to turn into. Um, I I hope that more players come in. I love Tayo as a player, and I'm really glad that he's on the shock. Um, but, yeah, I want to see a bunch of teams just, like, start signing people from contenders. just start seeing people migrate up. Um, and, like, I understand, you know, Baby Bay, whatever he's going to be doing, it's going to be great. So um, I just hope that we get to see him you know, later down the line, supporting esports and, you know, doing what he wants to do, um, and yeah, I, well, yeah, I just hope everybody's staying safe, having fun, and uh, you know, playing whatever games that they want to.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning into this week's news section. We'll take a look at the first week of the Countdown Cup in our gameplay section, and come right back at you next week with more news. Thanks, guys, and see you next week.
1: Next week, we cover more league matches as well as any news that comes our way. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear,
0: please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com like to advertise with our show please contact our network at believe.com thanks for listening and we'll see you next week